This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the New Books Network. I live in Buffalo, New York. When I moved here several years ago, I found myself quite shocked about the food culture in the city. Everyone around the world knows wings, but there is so much more to the food culture in this city. Recently, I found a book called Buffalo Everything, a guide to eating in the Nickel City, and it was exactly what I was looking for. The author is Arthur Bovino, a restaurant, food media, and travel writer based in New York City who went deep on the food culture of Buffalo and came up with a book that accompanied me through the recent Christmas blizzard of 2022. I am delighted to discuss Buffalo Everything and its complimentary cookbook, The Buffalo New York Cookbook, with author Arthur Bovino. We go deep on pizza, wings, beef on weck, and much more. Enjoy. Arthur Bovino, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I am delighted to have you here, Arthur. We're going to chat a lot about uh, the city that I live in Buffalo, New York today. I'm delighted that you're here. And I'm wondering if you can just spend a moment and introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, however you see fit. Uh, I'm a food writer uh, and editor. I've uh, I've been in food media going back to, and I think it's 2009 Culinary Train, worked in a bunch of restaurants, was the founder for, founding restaurant editor for The Daily Meal, uh, book author twice over with the Buffalo uh, books that we're talking about today, and I'm currently the uh, head of pizza content for Uni Pizza Ovens. Amazing. That is so cool. So pizza is kind of like your specialty from what I gather. Is that accurate? Pizza is really what led me to Buffalo to begin with, because I had been writing these lists about the best pizzerias in the country. And, you know, I'm based in New York in the East Village. Uh, I consider myself well-versed in a lot of pizza culture, but one of the pizza cultures that I really didn't have in my repertoire was Buffalo. And I felt like it was a particularly big miss 
being that it's in my own home state that I hadn't visited and checked it out. And so when I had the opportunity to possibly write a book about a buffalo sauce themed book, I was like, great, this will give me an excuse to go do research, uh, quote unquote, and really like get a chance to check out the Buffalo pizza scene. So that was the reason why. And then the book turned into something else. Man, I, I love this. So can I tell you a little bit about the history of why your book matters to me? <laughs> Please. Okay. So everybody in the country just heard about the December Christmas 2022 blizzard that was essentially a natural disaster here in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, my power went out on day two. My cell phone died about an hour and a half later after my power went out. My car, which could have charged my phone, was buried inside of my garage. The sun was going down. And then I got my fireplace lit. I know. So I got the fireplace lit. And then an 80 mile an hour gust of wind blew smoke down my chimney back into my house and filled my entire house with smoke. And so I'm in the blizzard. A house filled with hazy smoke, freaking out that I'm going to carbon monoxide poison myself. I get out some camping lamps and I lay on the floor with camping lamps and I read your book, Buffalo Everything, A Guide to Eating in the Nickel City, cover to cover in one sitting, laying in the dark uh, during the Christmas blizzard of 2022. So this book is has like become a a a really important text for me because not only did it keep me company for this entire blizzard, but it's also, I read it in Buffalo about Buffalo and it gave me a, an appreciation for the city um, that I was like, okay, I'm going to stay positive here to get through this. And I have a new journey to go on food wise after I get out of this disaster. So it was like, I'm telling you, man, it was an important experience for me to, to have this book during that blizzard. So I just wanted to tell you the entire story of what I was going through when I read it, because like I got into this with you through a seriously dangerous moment, but without that blizzard and no electricity, no distractions, it would have taken me way longer to read it, but it was the perfect time and place for me to read this book. So I just want to tell you the entire story. Well, I I'm honored and touched by that. And I appreciate you sharing that with me and knowing, having read the book, then you know how dense it is. And that's probably probably a suited, a well-suited time to get through something uh, like Buffalo Everything. But I'm glad that it was able to accompany you on your journey and set you on a new food journey afterwards. Thank you. Amazing. So tell me a little bit more about this uh this this journey of how you got interested in Buffalo. You said it mentioned you started as a sauce book. I presume by sauce you mean like wings and things like that. Uh, but tell me a little bit about your your history of the city um, and how you came to like immerse yourself in this topic. Yeah, I mean, originally a friend of mine had been approached to write a Buffalo sauce cookbook, and she is vegetarian, and mm-hmm. so she said this sounds fun but uh it's not really gonna fall into my wheelhouse considering how much uh meat kind of plays into uh wings etc so she referred the person the agent to me and uh long story short you know i was like oh this is like i said this is an excuse for me to go up to buffalo and check out the pizza scene and when i got up there um, you know, I'm I'm a native New Yorker, but I'm I was born on in Queens, and I spent a good portion of my childhood on Long Island, and then you know my adult life in New York City, uh, proper. 
haven't really spent any time in Buffalo per se. Once I got up there, I realized, you know, the, the provincialism and the pro of, of my New York life kind of fell away. And mm-hmm. I just found great food town and so many rich culinary traditions that just, you know, they were threads. And once you started pulling on it, on the thread, it just kept going. And you found so many other things, beef on weck, sponge candy, all these different things that, you know, Tom and Jerry's that are so inherent to the culinary fabric of Buffalo. And yet outside of the city, not a ton of people know about them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just, I just wanted to experience it as much as possible. And as soon as, as, as I did that, and I realized how much history there was there, I came back and I said, you know, this is much more than a sauce book. This is mm-hmm. like, there's just so much more here. Man, that is absolutely beautiful. And people in the country don't realize that Buffalo and New York City are about 400 miles apart. Like they don't realize how insanely humongous the state of New York actually is. So people are like, oh, yo, you know, I'm going to New York City. You want to hang out? And I'm like, dude, that is 400 miles away from me. We are up here away from a lot. You know what I mean? hundred percent. I mean, it's only like, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a far ride when you take a plane, but like, you know, it, it is, you, I, I think I looked up this up in the, for the book and I can't remember the exact distance, but you know, if you go a certain way from New York to Buffalo and you measure it, it's like, you're starting to approach like Texas distances in terms of how far uh, these two places are hundred percent. Mm, yes. Okay. So tell me about this timeline here. Like uh, the the time that you kind of like realized this was a book and then spending time in the city. Um, tell me about like the length of research. I'm just curious about like the the ins and outs of the whole process. Yeah. So, I mean, I basically moved up to Buffalo for uh, two weeks um, and just dove in and I would eat at like anywhere from one to, you know, 12 places or 10 places or whatever it was a day, depending on what I was trying to do. If I was trying to hit wing spots or hit pizza places, uh, meet up with as many people as I possibly could to interview them. So it was a nonstop affair. uh, And I did it again for another two week period down the road. So it was over a course of about a month that I basically lived in Buffalo. And, you know, I, got Airbnbs or whatever it was, and just kind of uh, wasn't spending that much time, um, you know, at the place. I was trying to get around as, to as much of the city as possible. And, um, you know, the people were super amazing. And um, just in terms of uh, introducing me to other people, Donnie Burtless and Krista Glennie Seichu, um, you know, they're in, so important in terms of making introductions to the right people and continuing to, to open up different doors and learn so much more. Amazing. Where was your home base? Like, where are you camping out whenever you were staying up here? I moved around, honestly. Mm. I I moved around in different neighborhoods. So, you know, I, I couldn't say specifically like one place. And that was part of what was great about um about doing it in that way. If I had to stay in one place for a week and then move somewhere else, um, you know, if I, whether I was in Elmwood or I was wherever I was, uh, you know, it was it was about being able to live in that neighborhood and see mm. what that neighborhood is like. It's just different than, hey, I'm going to drive down this street or I'm going to walk, take a walk and, you know, figure out different areas of the city. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things to do in Buffalo is to, uh, you know, go on walks 
um, especially in the summertime and in the fall. So I'll go to a neighborhood and I'll basically just kind of do like grid walks, like up and down the streets and stuff like that, just to kind of immerse myself in areas and get a sense of the vibe. So I completely understand what you mean because Buffalo has got these tiny little pockets, just like any major city that are so fascinating and unique and different, like the way the houses look and the paint jobs and the way the streets are laid out. And then you have some streets that are like up and down north, south, east, west. But then you also have streets that run like in the uh, in the grid system that run like spreading out from Niagara Plaza or Niagara Square downtown. So I just love the way that, you know, you can go on these walks and get a sense of what the city feels like. And I'm sure that that played a lot into your experiences as well. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, walking and biking are two of the best ways I feel like to really get to know a city or take going for a run. You know, that's another great way. It just yeah. kind of the thing. But Uh, moving through those spaces. It's the only really way to understand the city, I feel like. Let's get into some food here. Okay, so you're a pizza guy. So I want to start there. I want to hit pizza right away. Um, So I originally moved here from St. Louis. So I'm sure you're aware of St. Louis style pizza, the almost like a saltine cracker thin crust, and then a tiny layer of cheese on top of it. It's like we're talking the thinnest pizza that you can possibly make. And then when I moved here to Buffalo... I was completely blown away by this pizza. I am not even joking. Like within a week, I realized that this was something that I had never had in my entire life. So I realized immediately by sampling the local pizzerias, uh, I live in Amherst, which is like um, a suburb, first ring suburb right on the edge of Buffalo. And there's Buffalo style pizza places all around me. So right when I was moving in, what do you do when you move into a new place? You order pizza because it's the easiest thing to get. And so I was immediately blown away. And I want to know about, um, you know, your experience of realizing that Buffalo pizza was something special. Um, Tell me a little bit about that, because I'm curious about what that experience was like for you, too. Yeah, I mean, I had heard about Lenovo and Bocce forever. So those are the two places that make a lot get do get have gotten recognition nationally. And so those are the places that were on my radar. I didn't know about a De Niro's or a Lovejoy or, you know, all of these places until I got or a Santora's until Mm -hmm. I got there. Um, and you know, you get these also very confusing descriptions of Buffalo pizza. I think in the book, I, I describe, uh, Buffalo pizzas, um, typically a cup and char pepperoni pizza with a slim, sometimes non-existent crust coastline with ingredients out to, and sometimes even over the edge, a thick airy undercarriage with little to no structural integrity. That's topped by a sweet sauce and enough cheese to nearly always guarantee a cheese bowl. Mm. You are going to other regional styles to describe it, I'd say it's a Detroit amount of cheese with a Motor City trim, a main undercarriage, think Portland's Macucci's or Slab, uh, and a New York City sole. That's the best, like, you know, when I thought about it over and over again, that's the best way I could do it. Listen, it's a sweeter pizza. It's a thicker pizza. It's a cheesier pizza. It's an indulgent pizza. It's over the top. I love when I talked to Anthony Kulik of Lovejoy, he was talking about how, um, you know, it's 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 extra for everybody else. And for Buffalo, it's just standard. Um, yeah. And, you know, part of that, it's just like, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to think about it. Like, or I'm gonna, this isn't this isn't pizza that you're going to take your napkins and <laughs> blot teeth off, off of. Eat your pizza. Just enjoy it. Like it's meant to. Like it's meant to be something that you enjoy. Um, you know, I I didn't I didn't know about all the crust customizations. I didn't know about all of the different topping combinations, steak in the grass, and all these you know different things that you don't really see outside of Buffalo. Um, so they were a real revelation. And just you know, we have these the we call it pizza bones, where you get those crusts that people leave behind. Like when you have that kind of level of 
attention and love to the crust where you have all of this extra stuff that you're tricking it out, you know, with like, you, you notice it like it's, you know, it's like, these are people that like to eat. Yeah. Man, tell me a little bit more about the sweet sauce, because that was it, it's it to me, it's it's that's the essential part. A lot of people talk about the cup and char pepperoni, which is also amazing. But I want to know about your thoughts on the sauce, particularly because it's essential to the pizza. Like I had a pizza last week in Buffalo that I didn't love. And I realized it's because I didn't like the sauce a whole heck of a lot. I'm curious about your thoughts on the, the importance of the sauce. Yeah, I mean, there's usually a puree that's mixed in with a sauce or it's a puree base. And so, you you know, it's a sweeter thing. And so if you don't like that kind of thing, uh, it's going to be a problem. But you need, with all of the fat that you can have on a pizza like this with all that cheese, you really do want some more acid to kind of break it up. So that's the way I kind of look at it. The other part of this is like, you know, the cup and char pepperoni. Cup and char has become super well known across the country and increasingly mm. around the world. But you go back a couple of years ago, and this was not something that was featured in front page articles on the Wall Street Journal, you know, cup and char pepperoni. This is something that everybody in Buffalo knew and loved. And, you know, a couple of uh, places started to popularize it. But in Buffalo for, you know, for decades, it never went, it was never, it never went away. It was always there. So you're telling me that people that you're seeing as a, as a person who pays attention to the pizza scene, you're seeing cup and char pepperoni popping up around the country right now? Oh, oh yeah, 100%. It has, it's been a big trend over the past couple of years. And yeah, there, my friend, Krista Glenny, who I mentioned earlier, who is uh, super well tapped into the scene there. I love the way she described it to me when she basically talked about Buffalo and the culinary scene there. And she talked about, you know, there being this cloche, this chef cloche, one of those fancy metal domes that are placed over the, you know, your plates uh, and brought to you table side and all of a sudden lifted off. And, you know, there's a big reveal of your food. She liked to talk about Buffalo as having been under a cloche for all of these years because of this reputation that it had um, outside the city for blight or for blizzards, for all these different things. When the city uh, went from being, you know, this place where all of the rich people of New York and the country were, were, were having had houses to, uh, you know, to changing over over time, um, but those culinary traditions being preserved. Certainly, cup and char is one of those things where you had after World War II. Sorry, you asked, but after World War II, bring it, man, um, bring it. You know, the, the people, the pr production, these food companies and production uh, factories looked for ways around to mass produce the food. And so, one of the things that happened, as far as I understand it, is that you know you went away from this collagen casing that was on the pepperoni and uh and that's not that's something that happened with a lot of uh product outside of buffalo but you had local producers that continued doing what they were doing um and so you had that tradition there now what's happened is because of instagram and places like prince street pizza which really super popularized it uh, over the past 10 years mm -hmm. you have all of these photos of these little <laughs> these little cups of pepperoni grease with you know that are, that pop out of your Instagram or pop out on social media and um people know how delicious they are now and they've, they've definitely they've spread just because of how beautiful they look so yeah it's definitely become a thing you know um Nice. Uh, there's a guy or a person, actually, I don't know who it is. It's an anonymous Instagram account, Sexy Slices. I know that you're aware of Sexy Slices. And I know that you got to interview Sexy Slices, which is a 
pretty big deal. Sexy slices is a big deal up here. Uh, so maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience of the anonymous pizza reviewer and how maybe that informed some of your experiences as well as a researcher up here. Yeah, sexy as I just like to call him. No, um, uh, I, it, it, in all seriousness, he's great or she's great. I can't say if it's yep. a or a she. Um, but, uh, they are, uh, awesome. I definitely enjoyed, um, meeting with sexy slices. I would not have gone up to Lockport if it was not for sexy slices, uh, and had that experience up there. And it's a different, it's not exactly like a one-to-one with the rest of the pizza, I think in the city. Um, but, uh, the spot up there that I went to with him was one, ended up being one of my favorites and it was just so indulgent and over the top and delicious. Um, is is sexy slices is just a lot of fun, and you know that doesn't take uh, doesn't take things too seriously. And there's a real fun tone through all of the writing, and so it's just awesome. Super kind enough to meet with me, and uh, and got to meet uh, the significant other of the half of sexy slices as part of that. Um, was super happy to to see a lot of lot more uh, work come out down the road, you know, in the Buffalo news and, and whatnot. Yeah. I'm checking the uh, book right now and uh, you ranked lock city pizza and Lockport is number four in your favorite pizza journey. It was, it was amazing. It was awesome. Super sloppy, but, but really delicious. But, you know, my other fun part of meeting of, of the pizza people was talking with uh, Joe Todaro also. And my, you know, that where he's, he's got this reputation as being a part of the mafia and mm-hmm. there are all these rumors swirling around and you try and do this research on this and find out, you know, what's going on. And I just, I knew I was going to have to ask him the question and I'll never forget when I asked him. So I have to ask, like, are you in the mob? And there was just this pause on the other end of the line. And he just goes, <laughs> Arthur, where did you say you live? And I was like, oh, good. All right. I mean, <laughs> You know, a lot of fun, but to be able to have conversations with, um, you know, with, with locals like that on the scene and, and legends, it was great. Amazing. What are a couple pizzerias in Buffalo that you feel like shouting out for uh, just out of memory? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I love Lovejoy De Niro's, I think, closed since um, since I wrote the book. Uh, but I really love that a lot. Uh, you know, I know that people have this weird perception of Santora's. And there's different Santora locations. And so the one that I went to, which was the oldest one, really, um, I really, really enjoyed that one. I thought that was um, fantastic. But, you know, all of those places, I would go to all of those again. I, and I wouldn't have put them in the book if, I, if they weren't places that I would revisit. You know, for me, the criteria, and I could talk about pizza all day, so be oh, careful, man. but the, for me, the criteria is, am I already thinking about this slice and when I'm going to have it again next as I'm still eating it? Like, mm. that's the pizza that I put in the book, and that's the kind of pizza that I always I always think of as, like, the best. Um, yeah. You know, Bocci I thought was great. Uh, Lenova, obviously. Uh, De Niro's, as, as I said. Um, you know, Macy's Place. Has, oh, Macy's, is, is that's my place. Fun. It's always fun on Instagram doing crazy stuff, but just the, the standard stuff was great. Um, of course, um, you know, Imperial and was is is a, is, a, is, a, is an institution. Um, uh, our tones, a little bit of a hole in the wall, but like, you know, go check it out. It's, it's another fantastic place. Mr. Pizza. Now, listen, Mr. Pizza, I gotta be honest, like it could be a hit or miss proposition, but yeah. like it's on it is 
awesome. Oh, dude, I agree. I've had great pizza there. And I've gone there and also been like, I'm waiting for 45 minutes and like, what's going on? So Mm -hmm. I don't mean to like, whatever, but it is what it is. It was great. Um, Lovejoy, you know, uh, ricottas some of the lesser known oh, ricottas yes niagara street so great yeah. um i love uh i love macy's it's really not that far from me so i go to macy's regularly and uh carbones on south park and south buffalo by gene mccarthy's oh my gosh love that love zaz love franco's love imperial love muscarellas um you know it's there's a new place called extra extra pizza so if you ever come up here again check that out they're so good um you mentioned lovejoy and there's an interesting section let's jump to wings there's an interesting section in the book where uh the owner of lovejoy talks about how the cajun wings are their favorite menu item that they feel like people aren't ordering a whole heck of a lot of and that just story just jumps out at me really quick so i'm definitely curious to hear about your journey with wings because you know that's what we're way more well known for um but that doesn't seem to be what brought you here which is super interesting to me so i'm wondering if you can talk to me a little bit about your journey with wings um coming through the city because the wings here are it's it's kind of hard to describe and you've you've really dove uh head first into this scene so let, let's go into wings tell me uh where do you where do you go with the story from here yeah i mean you know obviously i knew like i was coming i like, got my secret agenda was to go and hit all these pizza places but i mean i i love all kinds of comfort food and so wings once you know obviously i was going to do it right when i got there um I didn't expect Anchor and Duff's being these places that were so well known outside of the city to necessarily be as good as uh, as all the hype around them. I did really enjoy uh, enjoy both of those places, um, but really it was a journey in technique, in understanding sauce, in understanding the ritual. You know, how do you eat a wing the right way? Is there a right way? Flats versus you know drums and do Buffalonians actually like want to order the super spicy wings? You know, I'd ask these kinds of questions. What, like, what's the history behind the blue cheese and the, the celery? And, you know, you started looking around for all these stories also about uh, the origins of the wings. And you realize very quickly, uh, as much research has been done, uh, there were a lot of kind of hanging details. You know, when you talk about John Young, in, yes, yes. Who's mentioned in the famous uh, New Yorker essay by, uh, God, this is where I, I mentioned to you, my brain is like uh, falling apart in terms of um, memory. <laughs> uh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, God. It's not, I want to say Craig, but it's not. Anyway, there's a famous essay in the New Yorker and, uh, a, you know, and, and it, John Young is mentioned offhand as oh and i went to you know, this place and they said john young or and i met john young the king of wings and mm. like you're like well, where and what happened and you know it's this kind of like little hanging thing and then you find out there's this whole other history to it now john has since then gotten a lot more uh um um notoriety in the past mm-hmm. couple of years since it's been published um his daughter has been you know has recreated the sauce and 
I know that uh, Drew Serza from, you know, of uh, local Buffalo wing fame has tasted the wings. And uh, I know that there's been some other interviews, but a lot of this stuff was kind of um, in, in the local library, you know, on microfiche or in, on small kind of scurried away papers. And I didn't, I didn't see a, I didn't see a, a place that really brought together all of the details of Buffalo Wing history. And one of the things that I was most honored by was uh, uh, Andrew Gallarno from the Buffalo News um, called the history of Buffalo Wings in this book, the most comprehensive version that he's ever seen or heard of. And that made me really pretty proud. You know, there's a great uh, documentary um, about uh, trying to find the best buffalo wings. Uh, and part of that, there was one of the last remaining alive members of the, those that storied group of people that supposedly came into the bar that night and saw everything that happened. And, you know, putting that story together with all of the rest of these details, I feel like gave a much more comprehensive overview of, of where this, this history came from. But it's, 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 it's easy to see why somebody would tell the story the way it's been repeated over and over again. Kid comes into the bar, mom, can you make me and my friends some, some food? We're really hungry. Take these wings, these leftover things that were sent by accident or that they had and toss them in some hot sauce and, you know, eat a, it's a much easier story to tell than, Hey, there was also this other place a couple of blocks away from a Southerner who moved up North. It's like, if you have to explain it in longer than two sentences, you'll, you're done. It's already like the myth is destroyed. Man. So I found it in the book where you wrote uh, the 1980 article for the New Yorker, American journalist, humorist, and food writer, Calvin Trillin is the name of the author. I remember I forgot Calvin Trillin's name. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool though. Um, Was it easy for you to find that article? Like if you go out and Google 1980 Calvin Trillin, New Yorker, Buffalo, like will this article pop up still to this day? Yeah, hundred percent. That's you. You can find that. um, And it's really one of the first, uh, you know, I feel like if you look back in terms of where food journalism has come to come from, you know, that's that's a big one. Uh, I, I'm not um, a culinary journalism historian, but to me and everything that I've read over the years, um, it's one of the big like, you know, here's this culinary tradition. Let's try and figure out where it started from. Here's my experience with it reporting on the ground. Like, you know, Calvin Trillin really did a lot to move that forward, I feel like. Nice. You know, your your top four here are really interesting. 9-11 Tavern, Elmo's, Gabriel's Gate, and Bar Bill. You go into a lot of detail about Bar Bill and their methods. And I'm wondering if you can talk to me a little bit about what it is that you learned from the people who treat this almost like a science and an art combined. Like, tell me a little bit about this experience of learning about the process of putting these things together. Because I mean, I was in, I went to Barbell last weekend and the line was out the door at Barbell North, the second location. And it was like an hour and a half wait in like two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. I'm just like, I want to know about the process of what you learned and why, what stands out to you about your memories of meeting the people who do this for a living. Yeah, I mean, you know, 9-11 Tavern is a kind of place where if you haven't been or haven't heard of it, um, it was, uh, I think the owner actually passed away since the book was written, unfortunately, and his daughter has taken over. But one guy working in the kitchen, one friar, 
And, you know, he's just going along at a time when these wings are going to come out and then meticulously piled them up in this like, you know, Jenga tower sundial kind of format um, so that they just look really pretty. And he, tre he treated them with care as opposed to uh, flip them over in a bowl. Not that there's anything wrong with that uh, onto the plate and they're steaming through in with the bowl on top and, you know, the underneath and here they're they're not steaming through they're crispy right out of the fryer they're delicately balanced they're presented nicely and uh you know that's an experience that you have but it, technique wise i mean a place like elmo's which i am fascinated by mm. you know where they do like a triple fry or a double fry or a sear on the grill as part of it and so you get these layers of texture from the sauce on the wings on the grill caramelizing and then they get fried and then like you know dipped again and then it's like what is going on here it's much more detail than anybody uh originally you know would think about it coming to this the other thing you learn is like if you're getting your wings quickly most likely those wings have been sitting there and so you know it's it's like not getting frustrated as a as a customer going into these spots and knowing like it's going to take some time because it takes time for wings to cook through the right mm -hmm. way and to get the crisp to get that crispiness going on. Um, but, you know, have a place like Barbill that paints uh, the sauce on or that, you know, as opposed to tossing it in a bowl. And, you know, is that because they're trying to save on food costs and there's just a lot of extra stuff flying in the bowl or getting up on the sides as opposed to applying it directly to the wing <laughs> or, you know, and, and like, hey, well, you know, then you start to ask, well, how does this affect the speed? And you just mentioned, Gregory, the lines out the door and you're like, well, if you're painting each wing, it seems like that's probably a reason why it's going to take longer. And then they were telling me, no, actually, we think we're faster by painting each wing than if we're, than if we're tossing and we get a more even and consistent application of the sauce. Dude, that is a level of detail and commitment, like to, you know, to a food that like outside of Buffalo, you're not getting that. You're, mm. you're not, I mean, you don't get, listen, in here in New York City, I'm going to do a shout out. We're going to talk about shout outs. Dan and John's is my favorite wing spot. Two guys from Buffalo in the East Village. They've now become, you know, bigger. They, they have another spot in Essex Street Market. I think that they're in City Field or they were at least. Um, and they've really started to, they've got their own Pilsner now that they've, they're putting out. I love those guys. I love that they're from Buffalo and they do great wings. Um, but it's that care and attention to detail that you just don't see outside of the city. Man, I love it. Um, did you try a whole bunch of different flavors? Because the wing variety flavors in Buffalo are very wide. You got your, you know, your your honey mustards, and you've got your medium hot, like, and you got your rankings of the heat levels. I'm curious, like, some stuff that stands out to you about the uh, the flavors. So I had to, like, you know, listen, Gregory. I had to walk a line here at some <laughs> point. Like, you need a baseline, and I already gained at least 20 pounds. Uh, yeah. Over period of of the month that I did this research um, and I wasn't just eating wings and I wasn't just eating pizza I was eating beef on whack and I was checking out the fine dining scene and I was doing other things so I felt a responsibility to know what a range of heat felt like from mild medium hot extra hot I felt a responsibility to try the most notable other flavors when I encountered them but if I was going to order you know seven different kinds of wings at every spot, I would be, first of all, needing a much bigger group of people to be friends with that were right. going around with me doing this, or I would be throwing out a lot of food um, much more than I already, you know, I, I, I ended up trying to give away 
food to people that I would meet um, were people that were homeless because I was ordering so much food and going from place to place. But I, I couldn't try every single flavor. Here's yeah. what I will say. The garlic, the, the Red Sox wings that I had, um, uh, I think it's, uh, is it WeChex or yeah. was it? No, it's um, it's not WeChex. Is it WeChex? No, oh, I don't God. think it's WeChex. WeChex is um, somewhere else in the no. book. Yeah. I, there's there's a place that does the garlic parm wings that that they're red they're called what Red Sox wings and when I talked to them about the Red Sox wings I was like what I'm in a bar that's got all of these televisions on that have um you know the Yankees playing during the summer why are why are these called Red Sox wings and the it turned out that the bartender who named them or the guy who named them um said that um he knew that they were really good and it was really going to piss off all the Yankee fans that they had to order something called Red Sox wings, even though, they, you know, just because they were so delicious, they were going to have to do it. And so that I thought that was, you know, taking the piss out of Yankee fans and I'm a Yankee fan, but I could appreciate that. Um, <laughs> and the fact that you marry, you know, the hot sauce with the garlic and the Parmesan, like I just, that was awesome for me. Uh, and it's not something that you're going to encounter a lot. And if you ask somebody to do that outside of Buffalo, you know, they're going to be like, what do you want me to do? You want me to mix what and what? And that's gross or that's whatever. And, you know, it was, it was delicious and fantastic. So that one, I think, really stood out the most for me. That one in Elmo's where you had those double fried, uh, you know, grilled wings. I think it was the Cajun. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was almost like you had a French technique being applied to the wings where they're being seared first uh, on a grill and then being cooked again, um, you know, in this case being fried. So yeah, those are the ones that really stuck out to me the most. Amazing. Well, so I do, you brought up beef and weck and which is something that a lot of people wouldn't know about outside of here. It's a roast beef on a Kimmelweck roll, which is topped with kosher salt and caraway seeds. Tell me about your experience with the, with the, uh, the beef on weck from Buffalo, New York. You know, a steak sandwich is one of these things that um, folks really, uh, I think, idolize uh, outside of Buffalo. You've got a famous place, Phillips in, in Los Angeles, and you'll have places that try and do it. You know, you've got, obviously got Philly cheesesteaks and you've got, you know, got these iconic sandwiches. Um, but Buffalo's beef on weck, there's just like, there are so many components that go into this. Like you talk about ritual. Some of the places that do this, that have the carving stations, listening to the guy tap, tap, tap the knife on the cutting board or, you know, tap the, the meat as he's, as he's doing it. And just the, the, the amount of time that goes into roasting, roasting the beef and then the super thin slices, you can have this like attention to, um, you know, you have New York um, fish slicers and New York pastrami slicers that, at Katz's that I get idolized for how thinly and consistently they slice these things. You know, you have to have that kind of same consistency with, with beef on weck and then the dip and the horseradish and that aspect to it and how fast you have to eat the sandwich before it falls apart and the squishiness and super punchy salt flavor and, uh, you know, from the, from the, from the, the roll. The thing that's interesting to me is like, listen, it's really funny because you talk to, you, if, as you research the Buffalo culinary scene and the history of wings, at least, you had people who were involved with wings very early on who saw the potential for them beyond Buffalo. And, and you know, some people would say, do you think this could catch on in other cities? Do you think other people are going to like this? Do you think we could like franchise this? And 
various levels of success doing that. And obviously they've gone around the world and taken off and taken the world by storm. Beef on Weck, it's, it's got a compelling story. It's a delicious sandwich. The problem is with, with, with Beef on Weck, that the bread is so important to the sandwich. And it's a chicken egg scenario because unless there's a demand for that type of role outside of the city, there's really no reason to put the care and attention into that kind of role to make mm. it a compelling sandwich. And so you can't let people know about it unless they've had it and you can't, they can't have it unless they know it. And unless they go to Buffalo, they're not going to, it's like, it's a really hard thing. Whereas with wings, you know, I can fry my wings. It's not going to be the same as that attention to detail as we've discussed. They're still delicious. Think, you know, with the roll, the problem is that they don't travel. And also the salt wicks out the moisture from the bread. And so you get this like stale bread and then people are like, well, why would I want to eat this? It's like, well, oh my gosh. Why? So yeah, I mean, it's an epic, it's an epic sandwich. And uh, I mean, having one of those with a Tom and Jerry uh, during the colder months and then just saying, you know what? I'm good. Like I'm, I'm or maybe I'll have another couple of Tom and Jerry's and move on. Amazing. Well, you mentioned the local, uh, that local drink to the Tom and Jerry. This is wonderful. But I did go back and find the Red Sox story in the book to verify that it is, in fact, WeChecks in Kaisertown on Clinton Street in Buffalo. Okay. So just wanted to verify because I said yeah, no. Was my mind. It's okay. And I and I had to go through and I had to find it because I knew yeah. the people listening, if especially people in Buffalo, are going to be like, it is WeChecks. It's WeChecks. You're an idiot. So I had to go back and I had to find that. Um, you know, we've got, there's so many other things in the book. You've got fine dining, you've got hot dogs, you've got desserts. I'm like, what, what jumps out of you about stuff that we don't have time to go into today? Cause I mean, there's just so much in this amazing book. Um, okay. And is, I just wanted to see if there's anything else you felt really compelled to shout out before we, uh, you know, kind of bring us in for a landing today. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like, um, all of these, uh, as I as we mentioned, I think the fine dining scene has turned over a bit since the since the book was written. So I think there's a lot of new and exciting, fun stuff that's that's happened since I wrote the book. Um, for folks that haven't visited Buffalo, I would say know about Sponge Candy, know about the hot dogs there. They're really uh, delicious. They're grilled over charcoal, and they've just got this like smoky char thing going on. And then, you know, the Paula's donuts and having the, the, the peanut chew donut. And I mean, there's just, there's, and the ice cream. I mean, everything, as we mentioned before, I like to call Buffalo America's comfort food capital. And I really think like any of these things that are, that you love pizza, wings, candy, ice cream, like, you know, and it's not just the, these like mainstream American perceived things. There's, you know, there's uh, great um, tacos and uh, there's, you know, we've, you've got the, the, the global market situation. So you can go and have all kinds of different, um, different culinary experiences. It's not just um, American comfort food, but it's just a great food town and it's a great town. It's people are just friendly and nice and it's just, you know, it's a good place to be. My sister so lives you... there. Now. I'm, I'm oh. probably going to be visiting this summer again because now my sister lives there, which is fantastic. I mean, I would go dine with you, my friend. Oh, if, uh, if, if you come visit, we'll we'll go. We'll, I would love to eat with you um, or just get a drink and hang out. Um, you've got a complimentary cookbook, the Buffalo, New York cookbook, 70 recipes, old school wings, blue bayou wings, beef on weck. 
Ted's hot dog relish, uh, spinach leaf, um, pizza logs. How did the how did the cookbook come about? Because it's a complimentary volume, totally separate. Well, <laughs> they asked me for one book and I gave them one book, but it had basically become two books. And so what they could have done was just said, uh, we got to cut all this stuff. And they decided instead, how about we turn this into a compendium and it'll be another book. And so that's what happened. Publisher decided to put out two books uh, instead of one. But the recipes were always part of the idea. That was always meant to be part of, of what the book was going to be. The one thing I will note to my embarrassment, to anybody who does pick up the book that hears the podcast, I'm just going to throw out there and note the sauce recipe for the pizza is wrong. So it is meant to be a one six ounce can of tomato paste. People write to me and they say, this doesn't seem right. Why is this sauce super thin? And what? It's because the recipe's wrong. Like it didn't, it didn't, it like it didn't go through it copy got copy edited and that got missed somehow in the process. And I would love for there to be a second printing so that we could fix that. Um, but just if you're going to make that recipe, it's a one six ounce can of tomato paste, please. Amazing. Okay. What did you get any feedback in the aftermath of the book's release that really stands out to you? Like how did the locals take this? Um, as I, you know, there been, there was some press and uh, we got some radio interviews and, uh, and whatnot. So a couple of, I think a TV, two or two TV spots. I think um, the biggest compliment I attribute to Andrew Gallerno really, where he said, this is the book that um, I wish that I had written. And for, um, you know, the critic uh, in Buffalo to say that I felt uh, touched and humbled and honored to hear him say that and um, really meant a lot to me. Um, you know, I mean, it didn't like spread across the city. I would have loved for every one of the 250 or 260,000 members of the, the city to have gifted uh, the book to everybody, you know, to somebody else and their family who was from Buffalo. That didn't happen. So I can't pretend it did. Um, but, you know, it was it was, uh, it, you know, it was well received by the folks that were were interviewed. And I feel like folks came out to some of the signings and it was really great. And I was touched and honored for uh, the reception that it got. So, um, Arthur, you know, Buffalo 2022, early 2023, it's been a hard year for the city. I mean, we had the uh, the, the shooting at the uh, supermarket. We yeah. had, um, you know, the November 77 inches of snowstorm. We had the Christmas blizzard. Uh, yeah. we, we keep getting pummeled up here. Um, it's just been real tough. And I'm wondering if you would like to offer any encouragement to the people of Buffalo, New York to, uh, you know, as we, as we move into the final weeks of our winter here. You know, I mean, listen, I feel like certainly I don't want to diminish any of the things that you just mentioned and um, people have lost their lives. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, people have uh, gone through hardships. I feel like Buffalo is Buffalo strong though. And, uh, you know, it's a great community that knows how to rely on each other and, and kind of turn to the, you know, turn to their neighbors and pick each other up. And certainly I feel like um, throughout those things uh, happening that they've been, you know, Buffalo has been on the minds of people outside of the city and knowing that that's going on. Buffalo has had to pick itself up for many years before these recent trials and tribulations. The city has gone through a big 
you know, has gone through some hard times over the years, uh, as we as I was we mentioned earlier with blight and blizzards, and not to put these in the same kind of uh, area as people losing their lives, but you know the Buffalo Bills losing. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, you know, but one of these days, you know, it's going to be. Uh, in terms of those, some of the some of these things, I feel like um, you know. Listen, at, le- at least for something as uh, I know how hardcore Buffalo Bills fans are, obviously um, in terms of their team. One of these days, Charlie Brown's going to kick that ball. It's going to happen, and so that's that will come. Um, as far as the rest of the city goes, you know, and blight and what and how much the city has changed over the years, the development that's gone on down by the water. Uh, you know, all of the how the housing, how the housing market has changed considerably. And, you know, uh, there has been a whole, at least w- during the time that I came, you know, housing prices and people were buying mm-hmm. up places up. And so I feel like there's, there's a lot to be hopeful for with the city, certainly. So, um, you know, I would say like, Buffalo knows how to bu- be Buffalo strong and uh, turn to each other and lean on each other for, 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 uh, for that kind of comfort. Well, Arthur Bovino, author of Buffalo Everything, A Guide to Eating in the Nickel City. What a pleasure. What a pleasure to have this conversation with you to hear, you know, what you love about the city that I live in, man. And I'm just uh, thrilled that you're willing to do this with me and talk about a book that it's a couple years old. Um, So I'm going to give you a hearty go Bills. And I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to thank you so much for for joining me today. And I'm wondering if there's anywhere that you would like for people who hear this to go check out, uh, to follow you, to if they want to uh, see what else you're up to. Yeah, um, NYC Best Pizza on Instagram is my handle where I'm most active. Uh, otherwise, I mean, the, the book can be found. Uh, it's Countryman Press. It can be fa- both of the books can be found on Amazon uh, or going through Countryman Press. So check them out there. They've been featured in... Uh, um, Barnes and Noble, um, but uh, the, those are the best places to find me. NYC Best Pizza, most likely. Wonderful. Uni, check out the content coming up on Uni. We've got a whole bunch of awesome pizza recipes for you pizza lovers out there. And, uh, you know, I think a Buffalo Pizza recipe for Uni should be in the works probably pretty soon. Amazing. Arthur Bovino, thank you so much. It's been a real thrill. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.